Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. My name is Pastor Matt, and I am the youth pastor here at uh, Harvest Ridge. And I just wanted to say, yeah, good morning. And, you know, we enjoy being here together. And so uh, we are either... Uh, we are getting into our the people of the Christmas story, uh, talking through when Jesus was a baby, there's a character named Simeon, and so we're going to be talking through his life a little bit. Uh, but before we get into that, I wanted to say, um, any Browns fans in the place? Browns fans? Yeah? I was expecting a little bit more energy, a little bit more oorah, you know, but sometimes that happens. So any Browns fans in the place? All right, all right, all right. So got a little bit of, got a little bit of oorah there. Um, so we are, uh, there, there was a few years ago in which my, my father and I, we were at a Browns game. I actually have a, a picture of it. All right. So this is 2010, I think it was. Uh, so 2010 and, uh, there's little brace face, uh, Matt and there's, um, actually, I think you look younger now than you do in that photo, Pastor Kevin. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yes. But I'll just say we were freezing our butts off at this game. It was against the Steelers, um, and it was maybe five degrees during this game. It was cold. I think we got free tickets or something happened. And so we are freezing our tails off, right? So I think I had a jacket um, underneath that Ohio State hoodie, plus another hoodie, plus like a hat. We had two layers of gloves on, two or three layers of pants. You know, I, I, I was just decked out. So was my dad. Um, and I can guarantee you that there were people in that stand who just had a hoodie and a jersey on because they thought beer was going to keep them warm. All right. That is, that is like Brown's uh, football in general, right? People, people are stupid. I'm just going to call, call a spade a spade, right? Um, and I don't know if this is for sure, but I almost want to say that I bet you at some point there was a man with his shirt off at that game because, you know, he might have had a painted belly. I don't know, whatever. Uh, why am I saying all this? Because Browns fans are crazy, guys. Browns fans are crazy. Would you guys acknowledge, like, have you ever been outside of the stadium or maybe walking across the bridge or have you ever been to the Muni lot? Um, and Browns fans are on another level or maybe whatever team you like, you know, they're probably not as crazy, but there's some crazy. But that craziness comes because there's passion. There's passion for the Browns. There's passion for our home team. There's passion to represent, right? Um, that's not a bad thing. I just want to start this entire message by saying it's not bad to have passion. And um, I just want to be very careful that our passion is directed in the right place. That, that we're not living our lives shallow in our passion, that, that we have so much passion and spread out, and there's no real depth to the things that we are passionate about. So when I was working on this sermon, I was struggling with it a little bit because I was having a hard time with the takeaway of how is this going to affect, how, what, is, what is the audience going to be able to grab and, and apply it to their life? And what I kind of figured out and what some clarity and some calmness came about my life uh, when I was developing this, when I felt like God was, was showing me that it's possible that this entire sermon is literally built for the one. Um, 
in scripture, God leaves the 99 to go search out the one. And I just want to say that there is a takeaway. I think it's something that I can apply to myself, but I also think that there's something specific that God wants to share to one or two or five people in this room that's going to change the way that you go about life for the rest of your life. And I just want to say, um, if, if this is you, you probably don't know it yet, hopefully by the end of this sermon, you'll say, I think, I think this is for me. I'm just going to say, it is for you. Right. It is for you because... Honestly, as I was going through this, I was struggling. I almost did not preach this sermon because of the fact that I did not think it was widely applicable. And I felt calmness in the fact that it's not meant to be widely applicable to every single person. There's someone in this building that needs to hear this message and God wants to speak to you. And honestly, that gives me a little bit more faith and trust in God because he will write an entire sermon specifically for you. That's pretty cool to me. Um, so let's, let's get back into our passion right? I worry if we have what I would call shallow, shallowness with passion. If we're shallow with passion, meaning like we have all these different things, right? Your, your phone, you can watch, um, you can watch videos and, and I don't know, YouTube, you can watch movies and TV shows. You can play games. You can talk to your friends. You can FaceTime. Um, there's a million different things that you can, you can work from your phone. And that right there is a representation of what happens when we have a conscience and, a, and a, when our effort and energy and ideas are divided amongst a whole bunch of different things. Um, all those things are just in our phone, let alone all the other hobbies that you play, right? So I love golf and I love volleyball. I love basketball. Um, you know, those, those sports. I like my family. I think they're awesome. Um, I love my wife. I love this church. I love the youth. I'm naming off. I'm able to rattle off a whole bunch of things. I love indoor plumbing. Um, I, you know, <laughs> right? I'm rattling off a whole bunch of things that I am actually passionate about, right? I am passionate about these things because I have invested into them. I've developed time and effort and energy into them. But the question that I was having when I was going through this is, what passions of mine will have a lasting effect on future generations? And also, what's going to have an eternal effect? What's going to have an eternal impact? Because honestly, I, I love volleyball. But if I focus all my time and effort and energy into volleyball, there's no depth to that because I'm not going to have an eternal impact. Maybe my daughter might become very good at volleyball. Hooray. What's that going to do? Do you, do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that it's useless. I'm not saying that we shouldn't spend our time on hobbies and that kind of stuff. But if all we're doing is investing all of our time or if a majority of our mentality and, and focus is in one specific thing, that is not God-related, that I feel like we're lacking depth in our passion. And so that's what we're talking about today. So um, I have a little slide that, that I had one of our admins help us out with. So uh, I have an illustration of us, all right? So there's us. Uh, you are a shirtless man up at the, you know, with a floaty around. If you didn't realize that, that's what you are for this illustration, all right? Um, have you guys ever tried to swim with a floaty on before? Yeah. All right. So a floaty, can you dive a few deep, a few feet down? You can, you can try. And then your butt goes up in the air like a little duck or whatever. Right. Uh, no, but then you always get sucked back up to the surface. That's kind of how floaties are meant to work. We, I went on an airplane uh, one time and my daughter was sitting on her lap and they said, here's an infant, uh, life jacket, uh, because we're going over water. And I was like, 
thanks for handing me this. I hope I don't need to use it. But also there's the mentality of like, at least I can throw that on her while she's screaming as we're falling out of the sky, but whatever. Anyways, (laughs) but the purpose of a life jacket is to keep you at the surface, right? The purpose of the life jacket is to keep you at the surface and occasionally, yes, you can sink down. Maybe a a wave will crash over you and you can go a few feet under the water, but you're always going to pop back up. And I have a feeling that, myself included, we spend too much time sitting at the surface of passion and never going deep enough to actually make any kind of uh, impact that is either on the future generations or um, an eternal impact. We're, We're not going deep enough because... I hate to say it. Actually, I don't hate to say it. Uh, the Browns are a great place to put passion, but if that's where you put all your passion, then you're missing something. All right? Why? Because it's an earthly thing. It's an earthly objective, and it's a fleshly desire. And that does not mean that they're bad necessarily, but all earthly desires, all fleshly things are going to fade. And we, we find this in Ecclesiastes. Um, Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books of the Bible because it's so raw, it's so real. It says this, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I denied nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Man, this guy did whatever he wanted, right? Uh, my heart took delight in all of my labor, and this was the reward for all of my toil. If we keep going, we see this. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. That is a kind of sad realization that all your work, all your pleasure, all your, you know, all those things, all your toil, it's, it's meaningless. It's, it's vapor. It's, it's an enigma. It's going to go away one day. Um, but I have to say, doesn't that drive you a little bit to not invest in those things wholeheartedly? Because if you know that the thing, like, if, if I have a passion for my job, it's not a bad thing, but it's going to go away. It's going to be wiped off this earth eventually. That doesn't mean that it's meaningless here in this moment, but long term, long scale, I don't know if it's worth spending my entire life never being around my family, never going to church. I don't think that that's what God would want for us. I don't want you to sit in an ocean of passion and just stay at the surface. I'm afraid of that. So today we're going to look at a guy named Simeon. And he was, I don't even know how else to say it. I I have a photo for him. Simeon was down at the depths with a scuba tank. All right. Bottom of the ocean depth for his passion. He was all in. And great thing about scuba tank, you don't have to come up for air, except maybe to switch out your scuba tanks, right? Like, you could even do that down at the bottom of the ocean. Like, you can chill with a scuba tank for quite some time. Uh, this is the type of passion that Simeon had. It was deep passion. We're going to see what that passion was for. So, we're going to be in Luke 2, 25 through 35. Um, and so, if you want to flip your, your scripture to that, that'd be great. If not, we're going to read it together. So, Luke 2, 25 through 35, it says this. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Freeze. Um, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. That should be pretty self-explanatory, but I want to explain this part. And the man was righteous and devout, all right? 
Now, that phrasing is used in other places in the Bible, um, and essentially what's being said is that he was, um, basically he, he followed all of God's rules. I don't know how else to say it. He was devout, he was righteous, and he was obedient to God. Right? He followed the example of God and he followed the commands of God and that it was counted to him as righteousness. That's other places in scripture use that as well. Right? Uh, not only that, though, he was waiting on the consolation of Israel. He was waiting on the redemption of Jerusalem. He was waiting for, for the rejuvenation of his nation. He was waiting on that. All right, and that is something that was widely prophesied about, right? There's many prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about the, the rejuvenation of the restoration, the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And a lot of people thought that, that would come through a king riding in and conquering the nations who were conquering them. They thought that it was going to be a, a, a king who had a strong hand who would wipe out their enemies. Um, but that's not what ends up being revealed. And so what we see with Simeon is that he was waiting on that. And then also, this is the last thing I want to point out here, is that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Can, can you go back to that last one for a second? Sorry. The Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, um, if you've ever heard our Holy Spirit conversations in which we talk about the old covenants and the new covenants, uh, there's a new covenant that forms with Jesus when he, uh, with his death, burial, and resurrection. And when he is resurrected, then the Holy Spirit becomes available to everyone, all people, right? All people then have the ability. But um, we're still, before his death, burial, and resurrection, we're still in the time period in which the Holy Spirit anointed specific people for specific things at a specific time, right? So they had a specific purpose. It was a specific person, and it was a specific time. So we saw pre, uh, priests, prophets, and teachers, right? They were given a task from the Holy Spirit. But this is different. The Greek wording is very unique. And it's saying literally that the Holy Spirit was constantly upon him. The Holy Spirit was constantly with him. Hold on. Let, let's talk about that for a second. That is unique because in every aspect of Simeon's life, he had the Holy Spirit with him. Do you want to know how to go stupid deep in your relationship and your passion with God? Have the Holy Spirit with you at all times. Have the Holy Spirit with you at all times. It's very easy to do, by the way. It's very easy to do. It's not always easy to follow through with. Because uh, Scripture tells us that there's an indwelling that happens when we, when we ask Jesus into our hearts. The Holy Spirit comes to live and reside within us. But then there's an empowerment aspect that comes second. And that empowerment comes with gifts of the Holy Spirit. But what I want to encourage you today is that if you are seeking and questioning, what does God have for me? The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. And if you've already given your heart to Jesus, he's already indwelling. He's already upon you. But we need to listen. And we're going to get into how Simeon listened in a minute. But that is the way to go deep. Um, so I, I love this story. There was a missionary that I heard a few years ago. Um, and basically he was on the field and there was a little supermarket grocery store that he would frequent to go pick up groceries. Well, on one half was a grocery store. On the other half was, lack of a better way of saying it, it was like a porn shop. Um, there was videos, magazines, all the different things that you can get there, right? And he would go in for groceries, but always would be catching himself looking over into that aisle right? A little problematic, a little problematic here. And 
So he would have an excuse. Well, one day he's sitting in, and he knows he shouldn't be doing it. He's sitting in his car, about ready to go into the uh, grocery store. And he feels God speak to him in that moment and says, if you go into that store, you're going without me. You're going without me. And in that moment, he had to make a decision. Do I go someplace without the Holy Spirit with me or do I turn away and, and do something else? And what he decided to do is he turned away and went somewhere else. Honestly, here's the thing, guys. I don't know whether or not that was a real threat. I don't know what that was. But what I do know is that the Holy Spirit directed him away from something that was taunting him and trying to bring his downfall. And I don't want you to ever go someplace without the Holy Spirit guiding you. I don't ever want to go someplace without the Holy Spirit guiding me. I want the Holy Spirit to be with me at all times because honestly, without the, the, without the path of, of the Lord laid out before me, I'm going to be lost in the wilderness I'm lost in the woods. And I think you guys are too. So if you want to go stupid deep in your passion and relationship with Jesus, you have to have the Holy Spirit just be upon you, just like Simeon. All right? So let's keep getting into this. All right. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. All right? So one of the revelations that was given to him by the Holy Spirit was that he would not die until he saw Jesus, right? So he saw little baby Jesus, and this is what's going to happen. Then he came in the Spirit to the temple, and when the parents, talking about Mary and Joseph, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, I'll get into that in a minute, freeze again. There was a revelation and a promise that was given to Simeon. You will not die until you see Christ. You will not die until you see Christ. But Simeon did not just wait at the temple, sitting there. He didn't know that that's where it was going to happen. He didn't know when it was going to happen. Uh, this, man, this was a patient and devout man. Do you guys understand this? Um, I cannot say the same for myself or anyone else in this room. Are you a patient and devout person? wait until my two-year-old pooped in the bath yesterday. (laughs) I was not a patient or devout man at that moment. (laughs) Fishing it out of the drain. (laughs) Man, it is so easy for me to lose my patience. It is so easy for me to lose my patience. Yet Simeon did not just sit at the temple gate. He went about doing his normal life. He probably went about working a job. He went about cooking dinner. He did all of those things. And then the Holy Spirit said, it's time to go see Jesus. In that moment, Simeon knew the voice of the Holy Spirit directing him. So when he said go, Simeon could go. If you're not listening to the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, you will not know when to go. It is so easy to ignore God's prompting when we're not constantly listening to God's prompting. How am I supposed to know my wife's voice if I never talk to her? How am I supposed to know God's voice if I never talk to him? Simeon knew to go because he knew God's voice. The Holy Spirit was upon him. So what we see is that there's a, there, um, there's a custom of the law 
that is dealing with circumcision, but also with the mother, where they have to go and either give an offering or a sacrifice um, to the temple. And so when Jesus is a few days old, they bring him to the temple. So there was no way for Simeon to know that this is exactly when it was going to happen. They just happened to need to go to the temple, and then the Holy Spirit prompted him to go meet them at that point. So that's exactly what happens. And while he's walking to the temple, I don't know what he's thinking. Is he thinking like, is this real or not? Is this the day that you have made for me? Like, what's going on? Was he jumping for joy? Was he so excited because the promise was about to be fulfilled? What I can tell you is exactly what he says here. He took him upon his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation and you, or sorry, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation of, to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people in Israel. Um, can you go back to the beginning of his thing? I just want to say his first line, literally his first line is, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Simeon had a promise that he was going to be able to see and meet Christ, the salvation and restoration of Israel. As soon as he finally meets Jesus, he immediately goes, I'm good now. I can die in peace. That is some, that is some crazy, all-in, deep, deep passion for the thing that God has put on your life, right? Um, there, there's another story in the New Testament in which we see a man say, I want to follow you, Jesus. And Jesus says, all right, then let go of your things and follow me. And he said, well, let me go bury my father first. Let me go wait for my father to die. He was so caught up in his earthly things that he missed the chance to follow Jesus, right? That is not what Simeon has in this moment, right? right? And, and guys, I'm not talking to you like I'm some great, amazing person. If God said, you're good, you're going to go ahead and die tomorrow. Whatever, whatever I put on you is fulfilled. You're good now. I'm going to be like, well, what about my family? What about my youth group that I'm leaving behind? What about the church? What about, what about my volleyball game that I have next week? <laughs> right? I wanted to see the Browns through the rest of the season. Right? Like, these are understandable passions that I have in my life, but I should never let them hold me back from a deep passion that I have for God. I should never let them hold me back. And they didn't hold Simeon back. He was ready to go. He said, dude, to heck with everything else in life. I can now go in peace. That's really cool. That's really cool. So another thing that Simeon says in this moment is that for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory, uh, sorry, for glory to all your people in Israel. Sorry, my, I'm butchering this right now. But what I'm trying to say is uh, Simeon acknowledges something that is, I don't think it has been yet to acknowledge to Jesus himself. Um, I could be corrected if I'm wrong, but I don't believe he's, he's ever been told. I don't think the parents have ever been told the fact that he is not just the salvation for Israel, but the salvation for all mankind. That is a huge prophecy to be telling over an eight-day-old baby. That's a huge prophecy. That's really, really cool. Uh, this is something that's revealed to him, right? So let's finish this passage. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And the sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. What, 
what we're getting once again is that there's a prophecy that's given, a prophecy that there's going to be a fall and rise of many people in Israel, and it's through the mouthpiece of Simeon, all because he's listening to the Holy Spirit upon him. So, what are we looking at? Simeon was so passionate about God's calling that he was willing to die in peace because of the promises finally fulfilled. Not only that, he was worried about nothing left behind. Not only that, he was used by the Holy Spirit at the right time, at the right place, but it wasn't, the Holy Spirit didn't just come upon him in that place. He was upon him all the time. This is something that we should be seeking after on a regular basis, that the Holy Spirit would not just use me at one specific time, one specific place, but that I would be ready to go at any moment, at any calling for the thing that God has for me. That is what it's like to have deep passion for God. To have deep, deep passion that is not shallow, it's not surface level, it's not a two-foot baby pool. That is deep end, scuba gear, needing type passion. And that's what I want you to have in your life. I also understand, though, at the same point that this isn't easy for everyone to have, right? It's not easy for everyone to have. Um, and that's why I kind of said that I think that there's one or two people in this audience that really need to hear this, that you've been letting your passions draw you this way and that way and this way and toss you like waves in an ocean. And what God really needs you to do is he needs you to center yourself on him. It's something that really needs to happen. So I have a goal when I was going through this, and maybe this is a goal for you guys as well. So I have a goal that I have some scuba gear or some, some snorkel gear on, right? If you've ever been snorkeling, you can dive down 15, 20 feet. Some people can go lower. I personally can't. I got the lungs of an infant. Um, but so I can dive down or I can come up to the top, right? I can be in the shallow water. I can be in the deep water. There, there's many different ways that I can do this. And so how I think of this is like, I think of this as like a pool in which there's a shallow end on both sides, then a deeper end, then like a bottom low deep. And I want to be able to hit every single one of those. I also have an acknowledgement that it takes discipline to do those different things. It takes discipline to not just sit at the surface with a floaty. It takes discipline to be all the way down at the bottom. If you are not a disciplined type person, if you are tossed one way or another, I think God has a message for you. And that message is to drop some of those other things or all of those other things. I have a friend named Ethan. Um, he's a pastor, and he was one of those guys who went all in for one specific thing. At a, like he went, if he would, if he liked woodworking, that's what he did. He would work for hours and hours a week, um, months until he felt like he mastered it or had a decent enough understanding, and then he would jump to the next thing. So then he was into golf, and then he would turn around and he was into origami. I don't know, whatever, whatever he liked, right? Um, one day he felt God tell him, you don't get any hobbies anymore. I'm your hobby. He was having that conversation with me over lunch. And I, I, I think my jaw might have actually dropped in that moment. Cause I was like, that sounds crazy. That sounds crazy. So I said, so what do you do? And he said, well, I don't watch TV. I don't play sports. Um, I used to really like Ultimate Frisbee. I don't do that anymore. Um, I don't really listen to music. I don't watch movies. I don't do anything. I just pray, read my Bible, listen to podcasts. It, everything was God-oriented. Every single thing that he did was God-oriented. And I just looked at him and I was like, dude, I'm going to be honest, that sounds awful. <laughs> like, that sounds awful. And he's like, yeah, but the Holy Spirit uses me in ways that I never could have imagined. Uh, his Facebook is full of like stories he uses as like a testimony type thing. And 
I mean, the guy on a weekly basis, if not daily basis, uh, prophes- like gives direct prophecy into people's lives that he, he's literally in the middle of supermarkets telling people things that they've done that God wants them to know and literally going through salvation messages in the middle of the supermarket on aisle nine. Do you know what I mean? Like he is going to the gas pump, walking across the gas pump because he feels the Holy Spirit prompt him and say like, hey, why are you doing that with your boyfriend or whatever it is? Like he's doing these things and he's stepping out all because, and it's been about two years since that drop everything and he's gone all in and uh, occasionally he'll watch a TV show with his wife or whatever, but he does nothing himself. He's gone all in with a deep, deep passion and God is using him in those ways. I don't think that that's for everybody. I actually, let me, let me take that back. I think that everybody can do that. I don't think that everybody will do that. I don't think that I will do that unless the Holy Spirit smacks me upside the head. But I can tell you right now that I think this entire sermon was based around someone being in this room that needs to do that. And it might be scary and it might be something that you're fighting against, but you are tossed here and there with your passions and you're being distracted from what is really deep in life. And that is a relationship with God. You're missing something. You're missing an eternal salvation. You're missing an eternity with God because you're really into Fortnite or whatever it is, right? I don't think it's for everybody, but I do think it's for someone. Now, 2 Corinthians says this, and then I, I am like out of time. I got to like knock this out real quick. 2 Corinthians says this, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. You have the right to do anything. I think God has given us blessing upon blessing of entertainment and joy and happiness and pleasures and desires here on this world. And I don't think that he would have given those, those things um, just for like, oh, you can see it, but you can't touch it. No, no, no. Like, He's given us pleasures, but that doesn't mean that everything's beneficial. It doesn't mean that everything's constructive or conducive to a future that you need to build. That doesn't mean that it's helpful for your kids. That doesn't mean that it's helpful for this church. That doesn't mean that it's helpful for your eternal relationship with God. So is it bad to play golf on the weekends? No, but if golf becomes your God, it's an issue. It's an issue. I want you guys to close your eyes. We're going to end with this. I want everybody in this room to close your eyes. As I've been talking, um, there have been thoughts that are going on in your brain. What, where are my passions? All that kind of stuff. I'm going to ask some questions. And I want you to begin to envision, maybe, maybe it's a pool of all your passion. And you have shallow ends and medium and deep. Or maybe you have nothing that you go deep with. I'm going to ask these questions and I want you to begin to envision and build a pool that you are existing in. And then I want you to think about where do I need to be? What kind of depth do I need to have? So here's some questions and I want you to begin to think of this pool that's filled with your passion. What topics are deeper than others? What are some topics that are deeper than others? What do you get stressed out when it gets interrupted in your life? What gets you stressed out when you get distracted from it? What do you get excited about when you talk about it? What do you get excited about when you talk about it? What is something that you need to do before the day ends or you won't feel accomplished? What truly has your attention? 
may have been picturing things. You guys can keep your eyes closed. I'm gonna pray us out. What I want you to understand is that you have passions in this world. Some of them may be really shallow. Some of them may go a few feet down. Some of them may go really deep. Are we devoting ourselves to the really deep? Are we devoting ourselves to the shallow water? Are we giving our all to God? Or are we sitting at the surface with a floaty? Maybe you need to change up how you do things. Maybe you need to cut out some distractions. Maybe you need to change up your passions. And maybe you need to go all in for God. So I'm going to pray. And then we're going to get out of here. But I just hope that the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for blessing us and allowing us to be here in this time. Thank you that you could change up an entire sermon just for one person or two people in this room. Father, I pray that you would begin to move within us with your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would begin to speak to us and that we would change our desires and our passions for the things that you have for us. That we would understand it's okay to be in the shallow water, but if that's where we reside, that there's an issue. Father, I pray that we would dive deep in a relationship with you and that we would give our all to you, just like Simeon. Father, thank you for blessing us and walking through life with us. I pray that your promises would be fulfilled in our own life and that we would feel like there's nothing holding us back from that point on. Jesus, thank you. And please bless us all the days of our life. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, we love you guys. Don't forget about the Christmas uh, musical comedy here tonight at 7 p.m. Have a good one. Love you.